I'm Kelly Kleiman. And I'm Jonathan Abarbanel. And we're the Dueling Critics. Welcome to our weekly podcast of reviews and news about Chicago theater. And today we're talking about The President at Oracle Productions. The President is by Ferenc Molnar, probably the most famous playwright you've never heard of. And he is best known as the author of Lilium, which was turned into the musical Carousel. He also wrote The Guardsman, which was a stage and film vehicle for Alfred Lunt and Lynn Fontaine. And in 1929, he wrote a one-act play, which he called One, Two, Three, which became the basis of a very successful Billy Wilder film starring Jimmy Cagney and Horst Buckles, and now has been adapted as The President and is running through May 31st at Oracle Productions on Broadway up in the Lakeview neighborhood. Boiled down, it is about a high-powered business executive, the uber-capitalist, who must turn a young communist taxicab driver into a creditable titan of industry, and he has one hour to do it. And the reason that he has this bizarre assignment is that he has had responsibility for the daughter of some friends and patrons, and she shows up pregnant and married to this young man. Mr. Norrison, who is the uber capitalist, gets to spend the intervening time trying to find a suitable occupation for this young man, trying to buy him suitable underwear, and every other aspect of turning him from working man's hero into nobleman. But he doesn't try. He does it because Mr. Norrison is the the ultimate executive. It's snap decisions and every decision is correct. It's one, two, three. This adaptation in English is by Morwen Brebner and it is directed by Max Truax. At its heart, it is a fun little farce. The executive has an hour to remake The Young Communist, and the play itself runs exactly an hour, well, a little bit more with the setup. It progresses in real time. It's a little bit of Ferenc Molnar showing off how clever he is. I'll tell you, Kelly, I had problems both with the production and with the adaptation. The play is written in 1929, and the adapter has left a lot of details in the 1920s. Things like the cost of a taxi cab ride, the fact that everyone is is traveling by train and not by plane, and yet other references are someplace more vaguely in the middle or late 20th century. Yeah, and you're probably the sort of person who would find the anachronisms in Julius Caesar distracting. I did not find this distracting at all, and the costume design is wonderful and is very much in the early 20th century. John Arthur Lewis, who plays the president. Looks like he was born in that double-breasted three-piece suit. And because men's fashions hardly changed at all in the course of the century, he looks very much of any period in which he wishes to be. My difficulty was with the pace of the production. I saw it on opening night, and it may be that the cast is still just getting up to speed, and I mean that literally. If it goes a little faster, I think it will be absolutely impeccable because the casting Mm. is really wonderful. Okay, I think there were some good people in the cast. You mentioned John Arthur Lewis in the central role as Norrison. I think he is a skilled farceur, a skilled comic actor, as are a number of the other people in the cast. But I'm going to lay it out there. 
Max Truax, I think he missed the boat. I've seen a lot of his work, and I have admired most of what I have seen. I certainly give him high marks for ambition, taking a piece like this, but he does bizarre things with it. He doesn't let the script play itself as farce. He does odd things with lighting, which at various moments, for unknown reasons, gets darker. He has people, in effect, go into slow motion at times. He has all the props mimed, but he has the sound effects for the props. So they mime pouring a bottle of wine, but you hear... I loved that! Right? Well, okay. But it takes time, and it slows the production down to do it. And it is Truax putting overlays on farce that doesn't need them. Well, I couldn't disagree more. I think that those touches are very clever. The use of sound effects without matching props struck me as hilarious. I thought he cast very well and gave the actors their heads. It's particularly the case with the actors who play more than one part. So Eli Branson, who comes in variously as a tailor, as a janitor whose family name is von Schottenberg and therefore he's prepared to sell that, is very funny just changing from one thing to another. The problem is that Truax directs a lot of his bit players, the small, the double and triple cast roles, over the top. And it can't take over the top. Yes, and I think farce is supposed to be over the top. I particularly admired the work of Sabrina Conti as Miss Petrovich. This is the lovelorn secretary. And although she has hardly anything to say, she manages to convey her entire life history and her entire condition just by the look in her eye. I was very impressed. The difficulty that I had is that, as directed, Travis Delgado, who plays Tony Foote, who is ultimately turned into, you know, the Count von Schottenberg. He's the this communist. This is the lower-class communist husband, exactly. Exactly. Does a fair amount of protesting about what's happening to him, but it's all very weak need protesting. It's probably not fair to compare this actor to Horst Buchholz, who played the same character in the Jimmy Cagney movie. But Buchholz was a noisy, rambunctious, determined person. Kelly, this isn't the actor, this is the writing. This character, Tony Foote, in this play has about 12 lines in the whole play. In the movie, the role was built up. There's enough in the text of the play, not the text of the movie, to form an appropriate resistance to the president. And the more resistance there is from this young man, the funnier the piece is. And so I would like to have seen him object more strenuously while they're hanging a necktie around his neck and changing his shoes. Oh, it's a necktie party, is it? Yes, indeed. All right. Well, ultimately, he realizes that there just isn't that much difference between a communist commissar who's in charge of everything and a titan of industry who's in charge of everything. So we split on this. I thought it was a, a conceptual miscue, though I think the play itself has some merits and could be a lot of fun. I have to give a shout out. You've already mentioned the costume design. But also, I loved the scenic design. In a little postage stamp size storefront theater, a scenic design by Joanne Iwanika, who has outdone herself with the beautiful burl wood paneling and the Greek keystone pattern in the paneling and picked up by the carpeting. It looks like a rich 
corporate suite. Well done. The President plays through... May 31st. At Oracle Theater, which is in Lakeview. They do not charge admission. All seats are free. But the theater seats may be 35 or 40 people at a squeeze. Performances do sell out. You don't have to buy a ticket, but you need to reserve one if you wish to see the President. Kelly, do you have a pick? Actually, I have two picks. Both of them are really quite extraordinary. At Writers' Theatre in Glencoe, they are doing The Dance of Death by August Strindberg, directed by Henry Wishcamper. And this is one of the most depressing plays you will ever see, but it features two really extraordinary performances. Now, there are three people in the cast, and the third member of the cast is perfectly fine. But Shannon Cochran and Larry Yando play people who've been married for far too long, and they are a perfect rendition of people who really don't know how to live either with or without one another. It's a terrifying and painful experience, and it's also not to be missed. And you'll have plenty of time to see it because it's playing at Books on Vernon through, I think, August 1st. Again, this is a place that seats only about 35 people, so get your tickets quickly. The Dance of Death is one of those plays that is considered one of the fundamental plays of modernism in theater, rarely produced because it is a challenge for actors. It's a play that is difficult to like. I've only seen it once. I haven't gotten out to writer's theater yet. I had the great privilege of seeing Laurence Olivier play the captain. This production is really superior. I would follow... Lariando anywhere. The other production that I'd like to recommend is Remy Bumpo, the play Our Class by Tadeusz Tadeusz by Tadeusz Slobodzniak. I swore on the altar of whatever that I would never see another Holocaust play. This is a Holocaust play, and I was absolutely gripped by it for every minute of its three hours. It is about the relationship between non-Jewish Poles and Jewish Poles from the early 1930s until into the 1960s as those relationships and the memories of what happened during the Second World War are changed and manifested, and as the people distorted by those experiences get older and therefore more distorted. It was directed by Nick Sands absolutely impeccably. It's a true ensemble production, so no one person can be picked out. All of the characters are true to what they are supposed to be. Nobody is 100% good or 100% bad. It is a very challenging and compelling and smart play. It's at the Greenhouse Space on Lincoln Avenue, and it plays through May 11th. The Dueling Critics Podcast is a production of Miracle Podcasts. Remember, if it's a good podcast, it's a miracle. You can subscribe to our podcast in iTunes or go to duelingcritics.net and click subscribe by email to have us delivered to your mailbox hot and fresh every Friday morning. You can also listen to our back catalog in SoundCloud, follow us on Twitter at Dueling Critters, and like us on Facebook. I'm Kelly Kleiman. And you can read Kelly's work at HuffingtonPost.com and at ChicagoNow.com slash The Nonprofiteer. I'm Jonathan Abarbanel. And you can read Jonathan at WindyCityTimes.com, TheaterMania.com, and Footlights.com. Thanks for listening. We'll see you next week.